Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest, most of you have heard of before, is Gene Trowbridge. Thanks for being on the show, Gene. Well, thank you, Whitney. Thanks for inviting me out here where I am. It's good morning to you. That's right. <laughs> the, uh, Gene is a former syndicator. Uh, he's been self-storage facility business, and he, he's now uh, obviously an attorney, uh, attorney concentrated on security offerings. He's author of It's a Whole New Business, which is in its third edition. Uh, Gene, give us a little, you know, background, um, you know, of how you got into this business and it just just a little bit. I know you have such an array of experience and, uh, you know, tell us just a little about your history and getting in this syndication. Well, quickly, I was a, came out of college as a commercial real estate broker and then um, uh, did that. And somewhere along the line, I uh, bought a property with three fellows I knew from college and uh, that was my first syndication, although I really didn't know what that was. We put it together and we bought a property and I kind of like that. And one thing left to another over, led to another over three or four years. I decided I would devote my career to just putting together groups to buy real estate because I knew all sorts of people who weren't going to do it by themselves. But through pooling money, we could all buy something. And I didn't have enough money to buy enough real estate as I wanted by myself. So pooling was uh, an avenue for my uh, my wealth, my income, and also the wealth of others. And boy, we did that for a very long time, about 20 years. And then somewhere in the middle of it, I kind of wore out uh, taking care of partners. So I, uh, I always say that the care and maintenance of partners will uh, wear you out. Mm. And as you can look at me right now, Whitney, I'm only 24 years old. So you can see that it was hard on, hard on me. But uh, seriously, uh, so I went to law school when I was 45. And now I'm not going to tell you how old I am. But for the last 25 years, I've been practicing law in this area. And I, and I love it. Uh, my law practice along with my desire to be a mentor for others, has really uh, created quite a business for me and a very satisfactory life uh, in helping other people become uh, sponsors of syndications. Awesome. Well, you know, I, I think you and I are about the same age. and, and yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it looks like it. You know, I don't know, uh, you, you know, it's how hard it is to dye my hair to get this color instead of the normal color that's just like yours. So. <laughs> You know, today, you know, I, I I was able to spend some some quality time with Gene. Let's see, weekend before last in Denver, and uh, we had some discussions. Uh, we were at the Raising Money Summit that uh, Adam Adams hosted with Blue Spruce, and I, which I highly recommend. And uh, it was great to meet Gene there. But you know, we talked about some questions that I'd had from listeners about um, about what they can post on social media, and you know uh, what that looks like, and, and doing that legally. And so we know that that uh, we're not breaking any laws by by what we're putting on social media. And so uh, Gene agreed to, to come on the show and help us figure that out. And um, Gene, you know, once you get us started, and, and I'm, I'm not even going to know what questions to ask, you know, as far as uh, really nailing down exactly uh, how to help us with what we post on social media and doing it legally. All right. Well, it starts with the fact that probably what we're selling is a security. 
your listeners who are going to be syndicators are going to pool investors uh, into an LLC, and then they're going to make the decisions for the investors. So as simple as I can state that, that is a security. So now the rule on a security is every security has to be registered with the SEC unless it's exempt. So we want to be able to have exempt securities in the marketplace so we don't have to go through everything to do a full public offering. So in the securities law, Regulation D allows us to have exempt offerings, and that's exactly where we want to be. Most people are going to do a Regulation D offering under one of the rules that's called 506B as in boy. And in a 506B offering, simply you can um, you can raise all the money you want, Whitney. You can have as many accredited investors as you want. You can have up to 35 sophisticated investors, and you should give them a PPM, and there's no advertising or solicitation allowed. Well, that's the issue of our topic today, right? advertising and solicitation. If, in fact, you are found to have obtained investors through advertising and solicitation, you will be deemed to have offered a security that's not exempt. Therefore, it should have been fully registered. So here comes the lawsuit. Gene, you offered a security that uh, wasn't registered. And I'm going to say, well, Whitney, I didn't need to register it because it was exempt. And then you're going to come back or your attorney is going to come back to me and say, well, I don't think so. I think my client Whitney uh, saw your posting on Facebook and invested and uh, didn't know you. That's probably advertising that blows the 506B exemption. Therefore, you should have registered. And maybe I'm caught there. Maybe I'm not. So the topic we want to talk about is what can you post, where can you post, and how do you work under that 506B uh, exemption from registration as it relates to advertising? Well, one of the ways, there are a number of ways to prove and defend yourself that you haven't advertised. A simple way is, I didn't advertise, uh, Whitney was a referral. Uh, Whitney's uncle who I know invested with me and told me to call Whitney or told Whitney to call me. Well, I didn't advertise for Whitney. So that's fine. That's not an advertisement. The most prevalent way of determining that it's not an advertisement is to be able to say, well, you know, Whitney and I had a substantial pre-existing relation. And that's what the language is. If you have a substantial pre-existing relation, then when Whitney invests, it's not as a result of advertising. So there are two words in that definition, right, Whitney? Substantial Mm -hmm. and pre-existing. Well, substantial just simply means that Whitney and I knew each other well enough so that uh, Whitney knew about my, uh, my business. He had been able to ask me a number of questions about what I've done. He'd been able to study my track record and maybe look at some previous deals. And I've been able to ask Whitney about, uh, oh, his assets, his uh, education, 
his previous experience in business and investing. And if we have that type of a dialogue back and forth, that would be substantial in that I would make a determination that the risk involved in my investment is something that's suitable for Whitney. And then Whitney would make a determination that the risk is something suitable uh, for him. Are we okay with that part, Whitney? Yes. yes. You got it? Okay. Now, here's what social media is all about, is pre-existing. Pre-existing to what? We have to have a relationship with the investor that's pre-existing to the offering. And the definition that I go by of when do you have an offering, Whitney, is when you sign a fee agreement with an attorney. When you sign a fee agreement to hire the attorney to draft the documents, you have an offering. Prior to that, you're negotiating, you're doing a letter of intent, you're doing, doing a purchase and sale agreement, which you could actually do anything with now that you're trying to control a piece of property. But at some point, you've decided, Whitney, that you're going to take this to your investors. So you're going to hire an attorney, you're going to get a fee agreement signed. And so at that point of time, the people that are in your database, Whitney, the people that you know pre-exist, their relationship pre-exists the start of the offering. Now, from that point on, people that you meet go in your database. And you need to make sure they don't invest in this offering. But you get to meet them. You get to develop this substantial relationship with them prior to your next offering. So here's the deal. You're going you're gonna to post. You want to go on Facebook. And you want to tell people about what you do. Okay? That's the problem. Now, the SEC would say, well, you know, if you're going to tell people on Facebook what you do who've already invested with you, that's fine. Tell them. But, you know, they already know what you do. So if that's a communication device between your existing investors and you, that's fine. But if you're going to go on Facebook and tell the world that your last deal just had a 15% ROI and sold in three years for two acts of your initial investment, the SEC is going to say, well, why were you telling people that you don't know those facts? The only reason could be to solicit them for your next offering. So the SEC uh, has really come out with three rules that can help us. Number one, your social media posts that are generic. Why is it a great idea to invest in apartments? Why is job growth such in Virginia that uh, housing starts are going to keep strong, household formations are going to be good, and shouldn't you explore the opportunity to invest in apartments? That's totally generic. That's fine. And the second bullet point is that that message cannot include an offer or um, result in a sale of a security you're offering at that time. So if it's totally generic, it doesn't say anything about your current offers, your past offers. It doesn't say anything about that. It just says, why don't you explore investing in apartments? And then the third point is you need a record-keeping system so that you know when people 
come to you through your generic broadcasts. That there's a date certain. And if you are asked to prove when did they come to you and when did they invest, you could show that they came to me. I had an offering at that time, but they didn't invest in that offering. They never invested in anything that was available on the day they came to me, but I put them in my database. I developed a substantial relationship with them. And when I come out with a new offering, I'm going to reach out to them because I have a substantial relationship and I have a pre-existing relationship and I'm ready to, to offer uh, something to them. Nice. What can be posted about current or, or, or previous deals that you've done, or is there anything? Well, the question really is what and where. So if I envisioned a, a website that I was helping you design, okay, your front page, the page that anyone can see, because there's, there's no prohibition against advertising. What the prohibition is, is advertising a current offering and taking people you didn't know into the current offering. You can always advertise to build your database, and you should. That's an ongoing project. That's probably the syndicator's number one task is building their database. So, Whitney, if you came to me and said, help me with my Facebook account, I would say, okay, let's build a cover page that talks about multifamily investing in the nation, multifamily investing in new geography, and what you think about the future of the multifamily industry. Everyone can read that. Down at the bottom, there might be something said, if you'd like to hear more about what we do, click here. And when you click there, up will pop a pre-qualification questionnaire. Some questionnaire that the person who's in your, uh, in your Facebook space right now can fill out with some information. Uh, how do you contact them? What would be a good time to contact them? Are they accredited? Are they sophisticated? And then you have them sign it. And then you sign it, date it, and they push a button that says submit. Now you have a record keeping system that tells you when those people came to you, if there's someone that uh, you don't have a pre-existing relationship with, okay? So now it's a brand new person, it's come to you, and then what I would do then is I would reach out to them and answer their call. How can I talk to you? When can I talk to you? When can we meet if it's convenient? And then I'm going to start talking about real estate, more in depth of my part of the real estate business, my track record. I could actually tell them about a current deal but I can't put them in that deal, but I can use a current deal to educate them about what I do and how deals look, okay? And tell them, you know, I don't have anything for you now, but the next time I have a deal, give me a call. So let's say someone schedules a call with me. You know, they, they didn't fill out the form, but they, they were able to schedule a call maybe through my email link or something like that. So they scheduled a call. So they did not fill out the form that says, are you accredited, are you not? you know, those those types of things you just listed. But however, during our conversation, we talk about those and I document that in my system. Is that sufficient? Because I think when they, I don't know what your system is, but 
when they go and link on your email or something to schedule a telephone call with you, there's a date certain with that first contact, right? That's right. So that's all part of your record keeping system. You know, they called me on December 3rd. They did buy Fund 4, but I didn't offer Fund 4 on December 3rd. I offered it on uh, December, uh, well, let's not play that game. I could play a game December 5th, you know. So would that be enough time to have developed a substantial relationship? Maybe not. But uh, they bought something that came out in January. That could be fine. So as long as you have something, because you're going to have to prove if you're challenged, the the investor who wants the money back is going to say, you sold me a security that wasn't registered and you're going to have to defend yourself. I didn't have to register it. It was offered under Reg D and it was offered under 506B and I did everything right. I wasn't supposed to advertise and I didn't advertise. No offer or sale of a security was made through my first contact with you. So I'm going to go back to the social media posts just a little bit because I see it. It's so common. You know, every time, every time somebody closes and I want to do it too, but uh, they close on a deal, everybody blasts out. We're so excited. We just closed on this, you know, 200 unit property, blah, blah, blah. Here's where it was. You know, maybe they don't give the returns and things like that, but however, you know, he still blasts that out. Is what do you, what's your thoughts? That's an advertisement. Simple as that. Yeah, once again, the SEC, I could I could show you a hundred no action letters where people have gone to the SEC and said, hey, I want to do this. And my my deal is a little different than everyone else's. So I know you're going to let me do this. And the SEC always comes back with the same thing. Your investors know what happened. The only reason you're posting that for the whole world to see is to get someone to call you. You're, um, you're testing the waters. You're uh, trying to create new people in your database. Now, that's not necessarily wrong, okay? Because you may not have an offering at that time, okay? So those people who are going to come to you are going to once again uh, come through something where you can get some sort of a date stamp on what you met them. And then there will be time for you to develop this substantial uh, relationship with them before you have your next offering. So you have a substantial pre-existing relationship. Uh, that's very, I think that's very dangerous to do that. I think the time to tell people what you've done is after they've gone through your generic website and filled out a form or at least you know you have some sort of a date certain that you started the relationship and then you can you can uh, tell them like crazy so if i if i wrote an article that said you know why it's great to invest in in real estate or something like that but i i mentioned you know the most uh, the previous deal that we did you know is there an issue with that you know you know if i use that as an example first question first question is do you have an offering out there today Mm. And if you have an offering out here that clearly is advertising and anyone who comes to you that's new to you can't invest in your current offering, clearly. Okay. I don't like the idea of posting uh, the results of an offering uh, broadly on the internet because by definition, the SEC has said that, that anything on the internet is advertising, period. I don't even care what it is. 
anything in social media is advertising. So now what are we doing? We have to make sure it doesn't include an offer. <laughs> it isn't testing the water for new investors and going through this, uh, this uh, a date certain. I see it all the time. I saw one recently where uh, it was a video posted by someone with a group of investors. They were standing in front of this new property that they just uh, that they just bought, and they were all excited, and they were telling the world, you know, hey, this is great, and, you know, we'll have more offerings, and, uh, you know, you should hook up with us, so maybe you can be in this picture next time. So can you give us some more ideas on, you know, about how to let people know what we're doing without getting in trouble? I know you said, you know, the generic posts, why is it great to invest in? So it seems like, you know, we need to take more of an educational stance of reaching out or letting people know what we're doing. Well, I'm just telling you what the what FINRA and the SEC has said, three bullet points. Not to violate the law. And if you're trying to say, um, I didn't advertise, um, and you're going to have to have some background to protect this, to protect you. One of the ways is to establish that you had a substantial pre-existing relationship. So the rule is your new message to people has to be generic. It can't be combined with an offer or a sale of any security. And you have to have a record-keeping system to show that the people who came to you through that generic ad didn't buy anything you have at the previous time. I don't know how much farther we need to go with that. Yeah. I mean, there are pages and pages of information at uh, the SEC and FINRA and, and most frequently asked questions where people will say, well, what if I post the PPM? Well, that's not generic. Well, what if I post a fact uh, an acquisition bulletin of my current deal. That's not generic. Uh, what if I post facts about previous deals? That's not generic. And it all comes down to the government's decision or their position that your current investors know what you're doing. If you put any of that stuff out to the general public, it is solicitation. Now, that may be okay if you don't have a current offering. You're building your database. And it's okay to build your database. So maybe I'd have a generic page out there while I have an offering going that's really, really generic. And when I'm between offers, and I mean really between offers, maybe I could be a little more specific. But I would think you'd want to you'd want to have a period of time, you know, okay, my offer isn't going to come out till the 10th of December. So if I take anyone today, can I use them? Well, that would be a question of, okay, I have a pre-existing relationship, but is it substantial? Mm. Do I know enough about them? You know, what do I, what do I know? Have I ever talked to them? Okay, so mm. two parts. It's a lot of it's a lot of gray gray area, but that's the rule. And people go to jail. I don't know if you heard Kathy Fetke's uh, presentation at uh, at. Uh, the raising money summit. No, I, I had to leave before that. Yeah, I mean, she talked about three situations where people went to jail, and two of them were over uh, uh, inappropriate uh, solicitation of investors. Wow. Well, Gene, you've been a great guest, and I really appreciate you just focusing on the social media aspect and helping us better understand what we can post. Uh, will you tell the listeners how they can learn more about you and, and your company and, and even your book? Well, sure. Um, Probably the best way to get a hold of me is my email address, 
gene at crowdfundinglawyers.net. That's gene is G-E-N-E at crowdfundinglawyers.net. That's a good way. My phone number is 949-855-8399-949-855-8399. And my book's on Amazon. You can buy a hardback. I think it's $23, $24, or you can buy it Kindle. It was about half price on Amazon. And you just search my name, and I'll be there. Nice. Thank you again, Gene. Appreciate the value you've provided. Appreciate the listeners being with us today. And I hope you'll connect with Gene. That's a it's a pretty big offer, him putting his phone number out like that. Um, so, But I hope you will go to LifeBridge Capital and connect with me, and I'll help you any way I can, schedule a call. And uh, we will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you, Whitney. I enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.